This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, this is Mark. There are a lot of reasons to get angry these days, but I prefer to focus on the positive things that we each can do to make this world a better place. The book Building a Better World in Your Backyard, Instead of Being Angry at Bad Guys, is a great resource for just that. Instead of throwing my arms up in frustration at governments or big corporations, there's a list of ideas that we each can tackle to affect change. Information about this book and other resources can be found at permies.com. All right, it's going. I'm here with Samantha. Hello. And we're at her house. And uh, why why am I here? Because you did a Kickstarter. And one of the things is to get a consultation. If I paid a certain amount of money towards your Kickstarter, then you put me on a list. And if whoever paid the most could have a consultation where you come and uh, ridicule me and <laughs> <laughs> tell me all the things you do different. Maybe tell me something that's good, but mostly tell me what I can do better. This is my first year garden, and I love the Gamcot idea, the grow a million calories on dirt. So a first year idea, and so this was what I did, and I wanted you to come and look at it and tell me how I can be better. So I think a, a big thing is you've listened to a lot of my podcasts already, so you know what you're in for. Yes. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people would not like me to come to their home and do this um, unless they kind of know what they're getting into because uh, it's not like regular permaculture stuff. And, and, oh, and we did a thing where we said for this last Kickstarter, we said, what do you guys want for the next stretch goal? You know, and we listed off some ideas and one of them was to do this again. And and that that did not get very many upvotes. Really? <laughs> so it was like uh, uh, it was not a popular item. Huh. Uh, uh, so we we left it out. I don't think we did in the last one. So this I know this one's old, and we said okay, let's set up the time to to do the Zoom call. And you said no, I I know Paul is traveling this way on these dates, and so I want him to stop by my house. I want to show off my garden. <laughs> okay, so here we are looking at your garden, and um, and you know how this goes. I mean, basically, I'm going to. Spot things. And so what was that? That's a goose. Okay. I have Toulouse geese, and they, they do participate. Okay. I see a watermelon right there. Yeah. It's very small, but... It's coming, though. It, 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 this is how it begins. This is how everything starts. Okay. Now, so this this yard is new to you. Yes. We just bought this house about the first of the year, and... The first thing I did is put up a big fence all around the garden area, and I put my two very large horses in that space so that they could destroy the lawn, manure as much as possible, and start getting the soil ready for to feed the worms. Okay. All right. So did you feed them um, a lot of hay? I fed them a lot of hay and organic grain. Okay. A lot organic. of reasonably organic hay. It's not pesticide-covered and they don't fertilize it. Okay. So, like, you asked all the questions. Yeah, you know I, give, them, I okay. give the hay guy a lot of trouble. So it's technically not organic, technically, but right. but in a way it is organic. And the, they do eat a, a little bit of grain. They eat wheat that comes from a certified organic farm. Okay. And they eat a lot of certified organic carrots. 
Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So, and then they, they pooped a lot of certified organic poop. Yes. And we have some, some other yards around that are organic, and I graze them out on the grass as well. But this is the, this was their paddock where they lived and pooped. And it was winter, so there was, you know, a lot of mud, a lot of snow. I put down a lot of not organic straw, but non-pesticided straw from the same hay place. Let's call this organic-ish. Yes. Like, like it's, it's just not officially organic, but for our, for our needs, it is organic. It seems to have worked because I have many plants that are not grass that are doing well. Right. And, and, but the thing is, is that if it had persistent herbicides in it, mm-hmm. then, um, and, oh, there's a hummingbird. See it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he likes the sunflowers. Oh, good luck with that, buddy. Uh, I, I think that the, the key is, is that if you had persistent herbicides in this, like if it was a high level of persistent herbicide, then yeah, you'd grow nothing but grass. And, but if it was a low level, through whatever, however that happened, and there's all kinds of ways that that can happen, then your plants would be stunted. But because mm. this low level would be all over everything, you wouldn't see some being stunted and some doing great. It's not like they hold up a sign saying, I'm stunted. It's it's mm. just that, you know, it's like, whoa, I wonder why that's not bigger than that. I thought it'd be bigger by now or something like that. So I might not even notice. Exactly. Okay. Especially the first year garden. Okay. But I like how you started it with a lot of manures. Yes. Now, did what did you... I see something that looks kind of moundish there. I did some mini hugel beds, which is something I've played with before, where I take the... So the, the sod is ruined and, and dead and covered in manure, and I'll take just chunks of this sod and root and throw up piles with dead sticks and then more sod on top and it's just a it's just a mound of i mean this one is only probably two and a half feet tall um and then what i did here it's got potatoes in it so as i was building it i threw you know looks like three potato plants in there maybe more Mm -hmm. the whole potato and then i continued covering it with these clumps of sod and bits of straw and then more dead sticks so it's a mini hugel bed okay not the massive mountains that you grow right but it's it's just a start which by you've seen the the pictures and stuff so cool so it's like of course after all these years we've um had some years with the hugel culture back at my place where we uh never watered it and we had some years where we tried to water it Uh uh-huh and then I think I think we had a year where we watered it, but it's like the amount of water we could get wasn't very much, so we watered it very cautiously because we had very little water to yeah. work with. We were we were um, we had a fire truck and that would hold 300 gallons, and then we would bring the the we'd go fill it up. And then one morning we would get two loads, and and about twice a week we would try to do that. So 600 gallons for all the gardens, uh, and that was all of our irrigation. Hmm. Um, wow. And so it was just a pinch, yeah, just a pinch of irrigation. We tried to be, you know, we tried to be very very smart about how we did it, and we had mixed results. Um, but you know the soil was building. We were trying to build the soil. So the idea with hugel culture is, is that you're going to water it like a regular garden for the first year half as much the second year and then you shouldn't have to water it after that at all we clearly had a bunch of stuff growing that um got by fine with zero watering 
But it's like now we finally got the well in, and um, after one week, so the picture you saw was after one week of putting on lots of water, just mm. really laying it on, and uh, boom, <laughs> everything is huge. It's uh, it's it's crazy. It looks so healthy and beautiful. Okay, so here we're we're here to talk yeah. about your thing. Okay, so. <clears throat> You made something kind of hoogly. It looks like I can see a lot of soil, and and so yes, I can have I, a lot more mulch. I have to wag my finger mm-hmm. at the soil. However, I have to withdraw my finger wag because that is some very dark soil. I think that is the result of a horse action. Yes, I think that I was. I found myself kind of riding the line between soil and cob. I've I've got a lot of manure in there, and any place that I didn't water my hugel beds, they became very they they were very hard, very cob like. Oh really? And so I actually used that in a couple spots where I wanted to walk on them. I just didn't water a patch, and it is a it's like a hard, you know, raised walkway. And then other places where I'm getting the plants to grow, it's it's soft. You can't walk on it because it will it will be compacted. Okay. But the more I water it, then the worms come up and interact with it and take those clods and turn them into actual soil. Okay. So now, um, when I first looked at this, you apologized because um, apparently there was a lot more growing here, <laughs> but somehow. Yeah, those guys. The geese. Now they speak up. How is us? Uh, I was. I was. That was so good. That's what they're saying. Oh man, I was so full that day. So I came to your place to do the PTJ, the Permaculture Technology Jamboree, for two weeks, and um, my dad was watering and looking after the garden, and we got a ton of tomatoes on the tomato plants and all this growth and then the geese got out and they picked every tomato he said they took the tomato plants down by about a about a half harvested all kinds of stuff and then we put the geese away when i got home but they did you know they did a number on most of the greens they ate up most of my salad and but then but it's interesting and they harvested all the grain they harvested the corn and the oats and the wheat but they left a lot of stuff, like the sunflowers and the zucchinis. You can't even tell that they were here. They completely took all the foliage off the watermelons, but the soil is so magnificent that we are back to flowering and now having watermelon on the watermelon plants, mm-hmm. even though they were completely defoliated when I got home. What's the date today, do you know? It's like, the 5th of August. August 5th, okay. Or the 6th. I think it might be 6th the 6th. 6th of August. All right. And... um uh, I think that that water, because it's like with watermelon, it can be a little tricky. Do you know, like, where we're standing? Where is the annual first frost date, average first frost date? I should expect it in September. Okay. I might not get it until October, but I should be ready for it. So mid-September? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. The average is mid-September. It's a real possibility. But with a bit of luck, it might be October. So that melon, I think, if it gets enough water, you're going to have watermelon this year. It's going to make it. I think we might. I really think we might. All right. Now, there were two things. You mentioned gamcod. Yeah. So so describe what your understanding of gamcod is. Well, it's grow a million calories on dirt. So it's your first year garden, and this was an opportunity for me since we just bought this place. Now, we only have a, a small amount of land here, so I needed to make 
as much as I could out of the land that I have. And one thing I wanted to do, I was going to try to double my surface area. So when I have a garden bed, I dug out a big old rectangle for the garden as wide as I can reach across and as long of a space as I had. And I removed all of that material, about six to eight inches of material, and I used that to build my hugel beds. I have a, a wall around the edge that's a hugel bed. I have the one with the potatoes. I built a chicken house where it's chicken wire, and then I covered the edges with the hugels. And then I have another one. You can't even see it, but it's over there by the side of the house with those sunflowers okay. and the horseradish coming out of it. Okay. And there's actually a couple more. So what I was trying to do is take the material that could have come back as grass because it was sawed and remove it and make it be my hugel bed. So I'm flipping it upside down and I'm just exposing all that root. And then the what's left is a sunken garden. So there's not going to be much in the way of weed seed. And I have the ability to have a raised walkway and then all of the water that I get flows into the garden. So that way I could have, I was trying to have double the land in the same amount of surface area. Trying to double my surface area by having the the, the, the steep slope of the hugel and by yeah. taking the land away and, and adding it to um, adding it to a different place. Okay. I think I think that I like the idea of doubling the land. Um, that's very good, but I don't, I don't think you increase your land acreage by even 1%. I don't because think your I did. Hugels are so small. Well, they, I think one of the cool things about them, even though they are small, is they have shrunk quite a bit. They were much bigger. Oh. Be, you know, through watering and the activity of the worms making I mean that the one that's over that chicken house it was all the way up to the roof of the chicken house and it's now significantly down part of that is because the dog got in there and the chickens have got out and things have happened the sheep were in here tearing things up so there's been some disturbance but no I think I probably got maybe maybe 10% more land by doing that I think if I had spent more time and brought in more materials, like more soil, more sticks from outside. I didn't use anything from anywhere other than this exact yard. So the okay. sticks I used were on the ground. Okay. And I could have gone out and gotten a lot more stuff. I just didn't spend as much time on it as I could have. Right. Which is fine. Now, okay. Hey, this is T. Blankenship. Have you seen the new video of Wheatland Labs? It is permaculture awesomeness with all new and improved things like more rocket mass heaters, easy bake coffin, Willy Wonka, rocket cooktop 2.0, and the truly passive greenhouse. To see more, go to permies.com slash tour. Again, that is permies.com slash tour. So, so Gamcod is a thing we were trying to put together I want to guess like a year ago, and um, uh, I was thinking about doing a Kickstarter where we would and we would have five gardeners. They would come up to the lab, and uh, we even got the idea of like doing the five gardens right next to each other in kind of a circle, and each person would get one acre, and each gardener would be like, uh, um, okay, whoever gets the most calories on their acre gets a $20,000 bonus. So, um, and then I think that if you hit a million calories, you get a $20,000 bonus. So, um, but basically, I we on the first pass, the idea was is that each gardener would be employed full-time at $35 an hour. 
and um, and we asked the 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 applying gardeners uh, how much money uh, do you think would be glorious pay? And I think most of them wanted something on the order of eighty dollars an hour, which I was wow. kind <laughs> of gardening. surprised about. I I thought. 35 would be glorious. Yeah. Uh, 25 would be fair. Well, hell, 15 might be fair. I mean, gardening is something that, you know, for this kind of gardening, growing vegetables in a garden isn't something most people get paid a lot of coin for. But but a lot of people who try to do a CSA or or a, a, a market garden of some kind, a lot of times they, they have to work really, really, really hard to not make minimum wage. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's like, I made $4 an hour this year. <laughs> and it's like, uh, so I kind of felt like getting paid something, like getting paid 35 would be m- mega coin. Um, and so I thought, and then the idea was is that each person would start with an acre of raw land up at the lab. So they would have deep alluvial soil, but it would be kind of gravelly, kind of covered in trees, maybe like conifers. Mm-hmm. And there, I think there was a requirement of, of a certain number of hugelkultures, and a certain like a, a quarter of it had to be flat and grown somewhat conventionally, like okay. in, in rows. But it had to be flat, and the rest of it. And then there's a certain amount that had to be hugelkultur. And then the rest of it is whatever you think is best. And okay. so each of the five people would do what they think is is best. And um, but I I don't know I kind of did the math and it came back saying that a person could for ten months worth of work a person could earn a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Which I thought you know that's professional money. And. Um, uh, we did get some people who said that they would be it. I think we got like, I think we got six people. And I think one of them was like, okay, this, this would be, but we needed, we needed five solid people. Yeah. And only one of the candidates sounded solid. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, we needed, uh, I was going to do two videographers. And I think we had like more people saying that they would be a videographer than we had people willing to be a gardener. Huh. Um, and we needed one manager. And I think we had more people wanting to be a manager than there were people wanting to be videographers. Huh. And so um, basically, in the end, I th- I thought we would get like a hundred people wanting to be the gardener, and then we would pick five and maybe a runner-up to come out. And um, so then I thought, okay, the Kickstarter, you know, in order to pull it off, I would need $300,000. And there was a guy that I talked to, and he said he would put up, he would match funds up to 150000 wow. So our Kickstarter only needed to be a hundred because we needed 300000 in order to do it, yeah. or to be able to do it. And um, and so now we only needed 150000 because this guy was willing to put up the rest of this coin. However, when I couldn't get enough gardeners, the whole idea, I mean, we we tried a different version and we tried a different this and a different that and things like that. And, and the guy that was willing to put up the money, he had some ideas, too. And I kind of explored those. And in the end, I put an enormous amount of time to try to pull it together. But it 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 just... 
it just couldn't happen because we couldn't seem to night and I kind of call it the favicon problem um, like if I were if if I were doing this and I was in let's say Portland Oregon like right in downtown Portland I have five acres and down and that was actually ten acres because I was saying everybody gets their acre that is the one that for the food uh-huh. and they get an acre next to that to, to, to kind of either well they can pitch a tent if they want but yeah. mostly I was thinking like to store your materials and uh, maybe you know whatever and if you had seven people helping you that's fine I don't care um, and it's like uh, but you know basically a staging area for I don't know what mm-hmm. um, for whatever you might need but the thing is is the acre and so yeah. I would need maybe 15 acres in downtown Portland in order to give this a try and then I would probably have you know hundreds of people yeah. applying for the job that all live in Portland mm-hmm. but because I'm way out in Montana and even in the sticks of Montana I got six people and and huh. I sent an email to more than a hundred thousand people wow. and I had six applicants and so it's like huh. I just couldn't see a way to make it work you know um and and granted, I'm sure some of like you know some of those people that said that they would do it uh, would come out and be there for a week and say I've changed my mind, I've decided to leave, bye bye, and then I would be like, right now all the people who put in the money for the Kickstarter for this particular thing, they're not going to get it, and 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 it's like you might people listening to this might think. Why would they leave? What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) So, Samantha, you've met some of the people that have come and gone from Wheaton Labs. And uh, what did I do? What did I do to chase off those people? I think you present a beautiful place to live and wonderful opportunities. And I don't know why you don't have more people beating down your door wanting to come and live at your place. I don't know either. My guess is, is you know, Fouch stuff or something. But that was seven years ago or something. Was it seven years ago? Maybe six years ago? It was a long time ago. And so, um, but no, it still haunts me. It it used to be that we would get lots and lots of people in. But the minute the Fouch video came out, everything dropped by 80, 85%. And so we make the best of it. Yeah. Um, I think the deal is pretty damn sweet. And yeah. um, uh, it's, it's, but okay, this, this isn't about that. The thing is, is Gamcod. And I tried to put it together. Um, I was very excited about the project because the idea was to start with an acre of dirt. And it's like, because I think a lot of people don't garden because um, their first thought is, is that it is not possible it cannot be done at all ever there is no way hmm. and um and i'm and it's it it can be done and it isn't even that difficult i mean hell we're looking at something here and um you were gone for a slice of the summer it's gone a lot. while the geese ate some of your garden and you still have a lot that the geese didn't like and the stuff that they did eat they took the foliage and the stuff grew right back because I had so much nutrient in my soil because I over-nutriented the land. I added all the horses and I had sheep and geese and chickens and all these animals overusing the land in winter when nothing grows anyway and just piles and piles of manure. And then I was able to incorporate that 
and have I, I, a lot of people will complain that you know you can never get rid of sod and it's so hard and so I thought that was a great place to start is just cause the sod to be completely obliterated by the the stomping of the animals and the I mean I a lot of times what I had is I would have a, a big bucket where the horses were drinking and then every day I would dump my buckets and so I would have mud and I would add more straw and I would have this deep action of the horse's feet and the poop and the straw and the mud just making a real mess of the whole thing. And I had a lot of neighbors coming by and wondering what I was up to. And I explained that the horses were working for me and they were tilling my garden. And rather than doing a rototiller, I was using the horses. And people kind of nodded and, and you know, it's like, well, no, come back. You're going to see. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> okay. And I can, like, see that tomato plant right there? Yeah. Um, and what is, did you grow some kind of black tomato? Is yeah, that it's that is? a Cherokee purple. Okay, all right. And, uh, I can tell that there's too much manure right there. Can you tell me why? I think Because he's so dark green. He's so dark green. It's, in fact, a lot of times when a tomato plant gets too much nitrogen like that, um, it won't flower. But obviously it must have flowered at some point. And I'm going to guess that the flowering was caused because there was a moment when um, the plant was drying out. And then it put out a... Interesting, okay. So, so at a moment of stress, then yeah. a, a, a tomato will put out a bunch of blooms, like, I'm going to die, so let me try to make some seeds real quick. Okay. But but it looks like it has been watered amply for a long time. I don't see any new blooms on it. I don't see... it's yeah. and So it's like it's been getting... It's a happy plant. It's got so much nitrogen, it doesn't want to do much in the fruit business. Okay. But... This, these tomatoes over here are not as dark green. Yeah. So there's not as much manure over there. So okay. you have diversity of soil. I do. The one inside the, the, with the corn and the sunflowers over there, that looks much taller and it has quite a bit more fruit on it. Okay. You know, if you can now, see. Now, taller in a tomato plant is not necessarily good. And in that case, I think it's getting spindly because mm. it's growing in the middle of a corn patch. It has to fight for it. Okay. Yeah, and so it's growing up to try to to try to compete with to get sun with the corn. Okay. And so um, uh, there's a it's it's a um, uh, a plant hormone that. Um, uh like when you get when you get light on a side you have the that particular hormone goes away and then um the other side will get the light so it'll grow towards the light okay um anyway it's a it's a fa plants are fascinating yeah. that way all right so the, the so I'm saying that the one th so first I'm observing your hobo cultures are puny and pathetic and sad. They are. And and you're saying they used to be bigger and I'm thinking like I'm sure they were. They but not they like didn't your... start with a lot of wood on the inside but they didn't. but that kind of leads to so we we talked about gamcod starting with dirt. So you started with dirt. Uh-huh. And then your way, your technique was to bring in animals Mm -hmm. To uh, get lots of poopies down. To add nutrients, yeah. Okay, and that is that is an admirable way. But there was another thing you were trying to do 
in parallel. Like because of, of course with Gamcod, grow a million calories on dirt, and when you look at the details, it's like on an acre. Yes. Now we don't have an acre here. If you had an acre, right? This is much. I'm, I'm kind of doing some rough math. I'm thinking it's 700 square feet, whereas okay. an acre is going to be 42,000 square feet. Okay. So it's much less than an acre. Um, and I'm going to say that when you're trying to grow on an acre, your techniques of gardening are going to be radically different. Like if you tried to do all the same things that you did here on your acre, then it would have taken 60 or 70 hours a week. <laughs> you know, like you would have had to have been hyper-focused on doing this at yeah. the time. Um, which is kind of what we were trying to do with Gamcod was yeah. hire full-time gardeners. Um, and th so that way they can accomplish this on an acre of, of dirt. Um, all right. Uh, um, so there is another thing, which is the skip program. And there's a BB for growing 10,000 calories uh, with at least 12 different species. And so that was part of what I wanted to do as well, is I really want to get that BB. Yeah. So I have sunflower seeds, sunchokes, watermelons. I used to have corn and wheat and oats, but I can't well, count them no. anymore. I have I potatoes. Yeah, you can't see them. You can see where the geese chewed them up. They were great at harvesting the grain. Right. Over there, it looks like there's some used to be grain. Yeah, it's really interesting. They did a great job. They didn't even damage the plants particularly. They just took all the grain. Yeah. I have zucchini, peas, beans, um, fennel, carrots, kale, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what else I have. I might be all so nine. Oh, and asparagus. 10, and you need 12? I need 12. And there's some, like, I have tomatoes, but I can't count those because I brought those, a friend brought those to me as a start. And he's from more than five, he has to be from under 500 feet away. Right. So I'm even pushing it with the watermelons because they came from a neighbor, and he may be more than 500 feet away. He's across the street. Okay. Across the street sounds like less than 500 feet it away. It might be. It'd be close. But, yeah, for the BB, there's, there's, some, there's rules. Yeah. But, you know, it seems like with what you have, you're probably going to hit 10,000 calories, but you've got to measure it. And you've already eaten a bunch of it. I have. That's part of it is I have, I have taken some notes about the things that I've eaten. I've been eating um, green beans and purple green beans and peas, and I've been eating kale and lettuce all summer but um, and buckwheat. I've been eating a lot of greens. I mean, this has been feeding me all my greens all summer long. So that may have may count for something, but there's not a lot of calories in that stuff. But the green beans, I have had quite a few green beans. I got a lot of mallow right here. I do. <laughs> I was thinking I should look that up and see. It says you can't forage, and this is sort of wild. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if this would count or not. But right. you can also... That's a different BB. Yeah, exactly. I have to get the foraging BB for that. Yeah. And so, um, so I don't know because there's gonna, dandelions. Yes, we eat a ton of dandelions, and I could definitely gather a bunch of those. If bindweed counts, I've got a fair crop of that. <laughs> you eat it. Yeah, it's, edible. it's actually good. I I eat a lot. But you, but I don't think you're gonna try to. Okay, this chicken needs to be in the podcast right now. What is is she gonna lay an egg up on that mound of dirt? 
right. Give it up. Okay. Oh, there you go. Hey, that worked. Wow. Oh, for a second. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, for this particular BB, everything has to be planted. Like, um, you can import the seeds from a thousand miles away. That's fine. But, um, yeah, you can't import transplants. Um, you, uh, and you can't count the stuff that just grew on its own. Although, you know, that's lovely and delightful and you can eat that. Um, and but, I have, but I'm sorry. But for this BB. Yes. It has to be from seed or already growing here. Yes. And, well, already growing here if it's a perennial. Yeah, you could count the mallow. <laughs> and the bindweed is, I think, that counts as a perennial. Definitely a perennial. And, um, what is that? That's horse a trailer. Big ass horse trailer. That is a giant horse trailer. Okay. And so, um, uh, the. Dandelion is perennial. Yes. And so, um, well, maybe, maybe. I mean, you got. I'd have to look at the particulars, but um, I, I don't know if mallow is perennial. And I'm not even sure if you can eat mallow. You and can so, eat mallow, and it's perennial in the same way the dandelion is. It's a taproot that keeps coming back. Okay. All right. And I have the sunchokes and the potatoes, and those, even though they come from a tuber rather than a seed, as long as you have five times more output than you put into the land, then that will count towards your BB as well. That's true. So you got your 12. Yes. So we'll see. We'll see how I do. I know I have way more sunflowers than... (laughs) I mean, I kind of... Okay, that's a straw-level BB. Yes. And those are usually, like, bigger. Like, they're... Usually those BBs are, like, uh, you know, considered to be about 10 hours worth of work or something. Okay. Well, they're, I They're have, pretty beefy, but... I have more than 10 hours in this. Well, hopefully <laughs> you get more than the BB out of it. Yes. Yeah. So um, so part of it was... So when you were kind of thinking about Gamcod, you weren't thinking of, like, I'm going to do this on an acre. You were thinking of, like, I am starting with dirt. What was... Did you ever see this lawn before? Yes. Yes, I have had friends living in this house for about 10 years. Okay. And was it a lush lawn? It was a lovely lawn, usually full of, of little boys and running through the sprinkler and Nerf guns. Okay. All right. It was and a did very they, nice lawn. Did they water it all year or did they... Um, it usually just got watered when we had kids out playing in it, but nobody did anything with it. It was okay. mowed occasionally. No pesticides have been put on it. It has been a organic yard. Okay. All right. This podcast is continued in part two. Put Paul's brain on your plot. Do you have a hunk of land but don't know where to start? Do you have a world-changing permaculture idea and you need some feedback? Do you feel like the guy in overalls may inexplicably hold the keys to all your wildest permaculture and homesteading dreams? Well, you're probably wrong. But if you want to give it a go anyway, you can hire Paul for a consultation. He will be all yours for a whole entire hour. Schedule your paul conversation today at permies.com slash consult. Permies.com slash consult.